0: Left center, deep, gone, Brewers lead it. a swing and a miss, he struck him out. Down the line, and that's the ball game.
1: Hello, Brewers fans, welcome to episode three. We made it to episode three of Brewers Unfiltered. I am not Bradley Ford, the social media guru of the Milwaukee Brewers. He is out on paternity leave, so the Brewers have done a crazy thing and turned over the keys to Brewers Unfiltered. To me, Adam McCalvey of MLB.com, and the great Tim Dillard of Brewers Television, former Major League pitcher, every man, probably plays tunes in Nashville on Broadway every Saturday night. We just don't know about it
0: yet. Hello, Tim. Hey, Adam. How's it going? I am. I am in Nashville. Where are you? You're in Baltimore? Baltimore. First trip ever for me. Not ever for anyone, but. I've seen people there on TV. I drove by it once. I was an independent ball and was on a bus and went by it. So I was really close. Uh, It is
1: really, really, really cool. And it's been on my bucket list forever because I missed the 03 trip when the Brewers came here last. So like this was, this was supposed to be like to complete my stadium punch card, but then they went and built another stadium in Arlington and messed it up for me. Do you really have a, do you have a punch card? or? Is yeah, we distribute punch cards to all the writers. And if you, <laughs> if yeah. you complete all the stadiums, uh, I don't know what you get. I'll have to come up with something better. I
0: got one from Witch Witch. Remember Witch Witch, like the sandwiches? I got like five punch cards. You put them all together and I still don't get a free sub. <laughs> yeah, same, same idea. I don't know if it's a
1: sub. It probably involves a bottle of some kind since it's a sports writer thing, yeah. but whatever. We, we will digress from that quickly. Uh, with Brad out on paternity leave, Tim and I will be holding down the fort to talk about the start of the Brewers season, the team's catcher situation, and here's my favorite part. We have instead of me failing at trivia questions with Tim, I'm going to try to make Tim fail at trivia questions himself. And we have personalized Ooh, Tim easy. Dillard trivia. <laughs> Did you know that was? Do coming? I know
0: something about myself? <laughs>
1: well, that's actually that actually is what it's going to be. So we'll see if you if you get it.
0: Well, good. I'm super self-centered, so I'll do well at this. Okay.
1: Okay. But first, let's talk about the Brewers (laughs) a little bit. Tim, opening series at Wrigley Field was supposed to be four games. It was only three. They let us loose in Chicago one of the nights because it was actually snowing. Uh, Give us your rapid reaction to that opening series.
0: Um, You know, the Cubs played exceptional. They really did. I mean, as a pitcher, I'm looking at how many pitches these guys were working in the counts. That bothers me. They're, they're throwing way too many pitches. The, they're forcing the Brewers to do that. And I think I wrote down somewhere the Brewers are first in the league in walks. Looks like 23 walks as a team. So that right there is basically the Cubs going up there going, if it's not where we can hit it and hit it well, we're going to spit on it. And so some of these borderline pitches went balls because it's you know still early for umpires as well. But as a whole, I thought the Brewers played well game one and game three. Game two was one of those you want to forget. But on a whole, I mean, you can see the pieces falling into place and there's easy adjustments that can be made going forward. Yeah,
1: look, to me, like this is going to be a pitching team. So so the offense, I think, of the first, if we think about the opener in Baltimore as well, the offense has gotten a lot of attention so far for what it hasn't done. But those the, what the pitchers have done has stood out a little bit. The first four guys out of the gate have all kind of grinded through those outings. And I think that's surprising based on what we saw from Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, and Adrian Hauser last season. I mean, they there weren't many back-to-back days, and certainly not four days in a row, where all, all of those guys had to really grind, struggled with command. That stands out to me. If, if I think about the Cubs series specifically, Seiya Suzuki looks like a problem. <laughs> like yeah, he, he looks he looked like looked a good. very good ball player, and obviously a, a very established player in the Japanese league. And Craig Council said, you have sustained success over there. The odds of you coming over here to have some success are high. Like, you know, we think of Nori Aoki when he came to play for the Brewers. He was a a nice major league player after establishing himself over in Japan. So he, Suzuki, was one of those guys that was just a really, really tough at bat every time, a tough out. And looks like as we move forward here, it looks like he could be a, a little bit of a problem.
0: Well, you know, things are going well, you, you know, things are going well when he like had, he hit a ball that was like at his neck and it was a broken bat flare in the center. I think it scored a run like that right there was kind of sums up the Cubs series for me. Everything fell right for the Cubs. And then it was a grind for the Brewers, but you're going to have series like that. I don't think there's any reason to to get out the uh, jump to conclusions, Matt, and start jumping <laughs> to different conclusions uh, but at the same time, you have to give the Cubs props because I don't think anybody saw that coming. Even Craig Council in the press conference said it's a young team. We don't really know how to study up for some of these young guys um, on this team. So I think that that uh, was part of it. They're just not enough feedback, not enough you know data compiling to say, OK, how do we approach these guys?
1: And we should have said that from the very beginning, Tim, like. You know, everything yeah. we're saying here, we're basing on four games. And we are clearly in this, like, where everything is magnified early in the season, period. And and this yeah. is another, like, nature is healing moment. Because, like, a couple of weeks ago, we are arguing about payroll, talking about payroll. Now here we are talking about what happens in the first four games of the season. It's like, we do this every year. And good or bad, everybody makes all these um you know, decisions about what's what the summer is going to look like, and then things will things will even out. This will be a good Brewers team. They're not putting it together right now. They're definitely not in sync right now. And Tim, like specifically those big three starters, those guys were so good last year. I mean, that that is easily the best trio of starting pitchers the Brewers have ever had in their history. What do you make of just the grind that it was for all three guys? And all three guys walked the leadoff hitter of the game, which is, what told you that it was a little strange?
0: Yeah, when's the last time that happened? Probably I was out there somewhere. I, you know, walks, you know, free passes are great at Disney World, but when it comes to baseball, you don't want that. You know, and that, and it's strange because those guys didn't have a lot of walks, and now all of a sudden, th- this is happening. But it is early, and there was a shortened spring training. Tim, how much do you I think that mattered
1: this, that short spring?
0: Yeah, well, you you can throw bullpens all you want, but when you start mimicking the energy. I mean, we heard a lot of people talk about the Cubs, uh, the Wrigley, the fans and, and, and that kind of energies opening day, you know, opening weekend that does play a factor. But at the same time, you do have to execute your pitches and you can execute after, you know, if you walk a guy, you can usually calibrate pretty quick, you know, but we saw uh, basically, you know, three or four guys already this season that are just having a hard time, you know, putting the ball where they want it when they want to uh, at a high rate. You know they'll throw three really bad pitches the one amazing pitch you know and that's pretty standard but i will say this there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes when it comes to uh, the humidor you know across major league baseball all 30 teams have this thing i played in colorado springs for four years that's like playing on the moon and they had one of those and i actually shot some social media videos in the humidor i don't know if that's what you're supposed to do but the baseballs do feel different coming out of that and then they rub them up with mud and they probably did that a week ago. So by the time you get the ball, you already have a strange ball that's been rubbed up differently. And then you have rosin bags that are uh, you know being implemented by Major League Baseball across the board. They look like the Little League ones you get from played against sports. Which I got nothing against played against sports. I was uh, going to go by there yesterday, but the idea is that it's just out of their element. And they got pitch comm. They got a you know the catcher hitting a button on his wrist. So like, it's a combination of just being uncomfortable. I think for the most part. Uh, almost everybody's been uncomfortable, at least in the opening series.
1: Yeah. And the, the other thing about this is it's magnified also because they're just not scoring a ton of runs in these games. So, like, take Adrian Hauser against the Orioles. He walked two, two, two out walks with a bunch of close pitches in there, which could totally change that inning and completely change the game, it turns out. Then one sinker that just didn't get down enough. And Cedric Mullins, who's a really good player. I mean, Baltimore has some nice hitters and he punches a two run single and like, boom, ball game, just
0: like that. So the other no thing room for error, no room for error. That's a tough place to be in. Yeah.
1: And, and look, and that was the case, I think for Corbin Burns. I mean, certainly Brandon Woodruff in that game, they got shut out. So there have been, I think good things in those starters outings, but the walks, you mentioned the walks, Tim. That surprised me, too. And I put that in my story yesterday that they lead the majors in walk rate, which is not what you expect from this Brewers team, not with this starting pitching that they have. Um, so it's a little strange. I don't know. What did you think of Burns in particular? Because he's he's just, I mean you know, he's the guy, right? I mean, he Brandon Woodruff is a great pitcher, too, but Burns is a Cy Young, and he, he looked so good in his last two spring starts. I'm wondering what you thought on opening day.
0: Yeah, it looked like he just struggled uh finding command of the cutter, which is his, you know, main go-to pitch. One of the, the you know, the reason he got Cy Young is because he has this amazing pitch that he's able to use it over and over again consistently. Didn't have it for the whole game, and if he did, it would have been it would have been a whole different ball game, but he did have other pitches to rely on, but what, one of those was the slider and he didn't have it completely going, and that's what the home run was. I mean, he made really you know, one costly pitch, but he did throw four innings scoreless, right? Yeah. It was a fifth inning when that home run happened. I should have written that down. Uh, but for the most part, I thought, I thought he looked okay because there's times when a pitcher gets pigeonholed and they, all they have is this pitch and they can't rely on other stuff. That's a scary place to be. But all of these guys that we've seen have other pitches they can go to that are really good. Um, it just didn't pay off. Didn't make the adjustment maybe right when they needed to. Um, but these are really easy things to, to figure out i mean these guys are just we're talking about this because this is a brewer's podcast but they're they're fine they're having a meeting going oh yeah we just got to fill up the zone and that is a philosophy you know you're they're expecting in their mind i'm gonna this pitch is gonna move this way this is what i'm used to this is what i did last year and then they get out there and they do it, and they're like, "Well, what's going on?" It takes you a minute to find the adjustment, but they did throw enough pitches where <laughs> Chris Hooks going to tell them, "Hey, here's the adjustment." Is a very easy thing to to work on, and just like us, we're used to seeing these guys throw amazing pitches all in the zone, getting everyone out, <laughs> and now we're seeing it like, "Wait, what's going on?" So we're all kind of just throwing up the question mark. But it is, it's a calibrating issue, and it'll be fine going forward.
1: The other thing that I think, like I kind of forgot about that these guys have talked in getting out of sync, and maybe they. Uh, I think a couple of them have talked about getting fast and quick in their delivery, and maybe like overamped in these first starts. Remember, Pitch early op, the opener last year was still like a controlled number of fans in the stands. We were still under like restrictions, so like these full ballparks on opening day for the first time. This is the first time since 2019, and I had honestly forgotten about that because of the way last year finished more normal, and it felt like normal baseball again in full ballparks. So that's something I think that the guys each said that they were trying to, kind of calibrate their bodies to, and not rush through that delivery. Woodruff, the guy especially, the tempo of his delivery is like everything. And when his when he talks about feeling good in his tempo, like he's really really good. And when he when he's off, you'll almost inevitably hear him talk after the game about feeling kind of out of sync. And I think that that's been one of the things that they've. Uh, that they've been adjusting to as well. So Eric Lauer is the the last of the sort of five guys to go out and he's coming off a good year as well. And I don't know, probably one of those things Tim right? Where it takes like one guy to have a good game and then they kind
0: of follow. That's what they
1: did for lots of last year.
0: Maybe uh, to me, I think you can credit a little bit to pitch com. I mean, look at the Cubs. I don't even think they used it. Any of the pitchers, they went out there conventional, and, and I think that's probably a conscious decision by David Ross to sit there and go, you know, we're not going to get too involved in this pitch thing till we ease into it. I guarantee they're probably using it in bullpens, but I don't think they're going to use it in the game till everyone's comfortable. Here are the brewers. They use it a few times in spring training, and they're like, let's run with this. And that messes up your, your tempo. You know, uh, Brent Suter's going to use it. Come on. That guy's, a, <laughs> that guy's <laughs> the fastest working pitcher ever. What do you need? And, and another thing, too, these guys know what they're doing. Yes, they rely on their catcher, but they, when you're throwing the ball and you get the ball back, you know what you, you know, the next pitch you want to throw. And what's interesting is the way this pitch com works, the catcher hits the button on his, on his wristband bracelet, you know, thing, and they got a, a little rubber thing in their hat that can, you know, fastball away or whatever the, the voice is. Uh, I imagine that's what the voice sounds like. I don't know. Maybe it's my voice. Maybe they, maybe I'll program my voice. It's like, Hey man, you're doing great. Cut her down. Do you know? I know who the <laughs>
1: Oh, you do the pit, the pitch call is like an automated voice. So it's like a Siri kind of voice fastball.
0: Yeah. I thought thought you were going to say Morgan Freeman. (laughs) No, that'd be really good. (laughs) But Ginger Jones
1: would be good. Oh, Uh,
0: (laughs) Andy. Well, I, I, but my whole thing is, I think it, I think it's needs to be the other way around. I think pitchers throw a pitch and they're like, "Ah, I missed it. I'm going to go right back to it. And I think they should have a button on their glove. Tells the catcher what he wants to throw. I think that right there would make the pitcher feel a little bit less rushed with this whole new concept and less likely to just sit there and, you know, be, Ooh, what's he going to call? Like, what's it going to, what's it going to be? And then there's no signs given. I think it's just uncomfortable.
1: Well, they can still shake. I mean, if they don't like the call, they can still shake or have a visit or whatever. I I still think the pitcher, well, the pitcher should be in control. I would, you know, or be convicted about what the call is.
0: Well, sometimes you shake just to shake. You know, I was a two pitch pitcher there my last, you know, 12 years. (laughs) <laughs> towards the end there. <laughs> and just uh, that short
1: period of time, uh, Tim.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times you just want to shake to to disrupt the tempo of what's going on. Like the hitter, you know, he's all ready. You got a guy set up for a curveball and the catcher gives it to you and you're like, "Well, I am going to throw a curveball, but I don't want to throw it right at this second. So you shake and then the catcher's like, "Wait, what are you doing?" He gives a curveball again. You shake. Fastball in, no. And then the hitter steps out. And you're like, "Okay." So then you kind of reset goes to curveball, and you're like, yeah, now the hitter going, what, wait, what's going on? It's all about that little edge, and you don't really get that when it's like you're, you're on the same page incredibly. You know, the hitter stepped out, the Cubs stepped out a ton, by the way. I don't know if there's yeah. a stat on that, but they stepped out five times in the first inning of the opening day against Burns. I think that right there is, now you have the hitter that's just willing to disrupt the timing, and the umpire's granting that call every time. So are we really speeding up the game? I don't know, but it's it's still early in the process
1: that's fascinating about the shaking i I've never even thought about that pitching is the most fascinating
0: oh yeah yeah smoke and mirrors man if you don't throw a hundred <laughs> now did you ever do the Pete Vukovic? like Pete vukovich used to
1: try throw hit throw hitters off by like going and like vomiting behind the mound or al Raboski did that the the mad Hungarian and for Kansas City and St Louis do you ever do any of that what do
0: you mean just just go behind the mound and do something crazy to throw the hitter off um, I'm already kind of paranoid when I was pitching. I just, I like to work quick. I would walk yeah. really close to the catcher till they would give the ball. I was very paranoid. I picked over one time. Um, what's that guy's name? I forgot his name. Guy pitcher, uh, Mayer. Remember Mayer with the Royals? He was a first baseman. That sounds big completely laid like, up, but I'll I'll go. Yeah, it. it does. It, it, I'm sure it does. Um, he, he was like 280 pounds, you know, or maybe 300 pounds. Just big guy. His lead at first base was like eight inches you know, and he was my first base runner one game. And I picked over like twice. And everyone's like, dude, why are you picking the first? This guy's not stealing. And I was like, well, you see those like 15 Royals guys that are known for base stealing. I want them to see that I don't care who's on first base. I'm going to pick over there and hold you close because when they get on there, they know I'm going to pick. And I've never picked anyone off in my entire career, (laughs) but I've only thrown 1500 innings. But at the same time, I don't want those guys to steal. So there's a lot of little things that if you're paying it nuances, like yeah. things in the game that you can pay attention to. That's not just here's the pitch, throw the pitch. There's a lot of little stuff going on. I think I think Freddie has a great uh, handle on that because he pitches for, with feel how yeah. he feels. He's he feels it. And I think that's hard to teach. I think you're kind of born with it at times or you just play long enough. You figure it out
1: how different they are is really fascinating because you're right. Freddie's a field guy like he there's a scouting report, but he goes out and they, it totally changes based on what he has working. Woodruff is more like the old school. He takes in the data. He wants it, but but he's going to do what he's going to do. And then, I don't know, I think a Burns is more like he's going to pitch to the scouting report. Like he wants all the information that's available, gobbles it up. He wants all the spin rate data, like everything they can give him, he wants. So it's it's fascinating how different all those guys are. Pitching is just the most fascinating thing. I'm sure. The hitters have their own stuff like that too, but the, the pitching is just maybe because they're the ones who control the ball and the pace, and we watch them out there. It's it's so interesting to think about. How about positives, Tim? What's the most positive Ooh. thing out of the first four games for you?
0: Very positive. Um, Christian Yelich is on his way to walking 162 times. <laughs> thought that was pretty interesting. He's That's swinging lot, the bat man. well. Um, I think they do well when they're hitting the ball opposite field. Yeah, And here's what we saw in two different games, game one and game three. Game one was very situational. Um, I thought was very impressive, with a guy on third. Yelich hits a ball the outfield, sacrifice fly. Like maybe that we didn't see that last year until maybe May, maybe mid May. I bet Willie Adams was already you know on his way to Milwaukee when guys started you know getting runners over and getting them in. And we saw uh, Kane in the game one take an inside fastball at his at his you know, armpit and shoot it to the right side to get a run in like that situational hitting. I know it's not popular and it doesn't really make the highlights all that time because, you know, when we're doing highlights on Valley Sports Wisconsin, it's like, hey, let's put in that sacrifice fly. And they're like, <laughs> that's what? good TV, buddy. <laughs> yeah. who? How did he get this job? Yeah. Uh, But then you see game three and they're they're swinging the bats. Well, you know, home runs, you know, there's different ways to win. But at the same time, you have to have something going. And game two was a prime example of not getting anything going. And so that was against the lefty starter, which the Brewers had trouble with last year with lefty starters. So I think that kind of needs to be the fix. I think right now they're I mean, ultimately, the defense is going to come around. uh, But at the same time, I think their approaches are not that bad. Uh, They did a lot of things well. Uh, Craig Council said yesterday about the Orioles game, like they didn't hit balls hard. You know, it doesn't matter. We saw last year guys would crush balls, 103 right at somebody. You know, to me, it doesn't matter how hard you hit it. It's where you're hitting it. Yeah,
1: yesterday was not like a bad luck game. Yeah,
0: it's where you're hitting it and when you're hitting it there. You know, if you can get a guy on, you can get him over. You know, that's part of the battle. You know, I I use the example. I was a pitcher and there'd be a leadoff double. And I come up to the plate you know, I'm looking down there, I'm trying to look tough, you know, and, and they're like, obviously I'm bunting. So I get the bunt down and I'm like, yeah, you know, it's a personal victory for a pitcher. And you run down to first and like you come down to the dugout and you're high fiving, and, then before you even down the steps, the guy, the leadoff guy behind you just hit first pitch bomb. <laughs> and you're like, so everyone stops kind of high fiving you and goes and gets ready to high five him like that <laughs> you did your job in the moment you know, regardless of what happens after you is, is irrelevant, but you got to do your job in the moment. That was impressive to see the Brewers do that in game one. They're willing to do the job when they walk to the plate of going, you know what, I'm going to hit the ball over here and, and try to get that guy over there. And that matters.
1: I'll say two things that I think were positives from the early going. One is just an individual. Willie Adamas is like had an impactful start and he was their club MVP as voted by the baseball writers association of America last year. And uh, just obviously really important player, right? Um, So I think him just hitting the ball. He's a guy who I think hit the ball pretty hard consistently over the first four games. And then the other thing is, like, bigger picture, the way the opposing pitchers have worked out, it's it's been a lot of, like, lefty-righty. They faced a bunch of lefties so far. So Council has been able to get all these guys in there right away, like his sort of right-handed army of hitters. Mike Brasso, Keston here has had some starts. Uh, Hunter Renfro's already touched first base within the first four games where they want to put him from time to time as the year goes on. Like, they've been able to get everybody involved in these first four games just because of the way the baseball gods delivered the opposing starting pitcher. So that's like a small thing, but I think it's what they want to, to kind of get everybody's feet wet and you're not having a guy sitting around waiting for a week to make his first start. So that that's... well to.
0: And tonight's the first night game. Yeah, here we go. They've played all day games. They went from spring training where you play primarily day games. And then it's like, guess what? You made the team and we're going to play some more day games. It's like, oh, oh. like baseball players want those lights on and they're only going to get the first night game tonight. Today's Tuesday, right? Today's Tuesday. We'll see if I can (laughs) stay awake
1: past the fifth.
0: Wait, are we supposed to say what day it is? Sure. Are we supposed to say, I'll leave it blank and they can insert what day it is. Today is Pitch It'll com. be the pitchcom pitch voice. Bracelet. Oh, I didn't yeah, say yeah, the yeah.
1: <laughs> so the pitchcom voice, it's like the it the 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 pitch call is like an automated voice. And then the location is Augie. They're their video coordinator. Wow. That's who the that's who the rest of the voice is. I don't think he's ever been on Bally Sports Wisconsin, but if you guys can ever get him on, the fans could hear um, you know, what his voice sounds like. And that's what the pitchers hear during the game. That's what well, I Well, what
0: do you you know they limit mound visits? I wonder if they could put a button on the on the bracelet that's like, you know. Was, uh, <laughs> get the pitcher kind of like, yeah, make him step off. That's a reference from like,
1: 2004.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's where I'm stuck. I'm okay, stuck with there, that, <laughs> let's take a break
1: because we need a break after old Bud Light ad references. Uh, when we come back, we will talk about the catching situation. The Brewers picked up a new player and I lost a bet with Todd Rosiak by the fact that a new player showed up on opening day. And we will do this Tim Dillard trivia to find out how much Tim Dillard knows about Tim Dillard. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. We are back and it is trivia time. And I am so excited that I don't have to take part because I am terrible at trivia as episodes one and two have proven. This is all about Tim Dillard trivia. So I lead one nothing, Tim, in our, they're keeping track, actually. Do we know what the prize is, by the way? Is there like some kind of prize at the end? should be a prize. Yeah, we'll have to think about that. That'll be something we'll continue to work on. But I am up one, nothing because I knew an answer by total chance in episode two. So here we are at episode three. So here's how it's going to work. We're going to ask you questions about yourself. And if you can get two out of three, you will get that precious point, precious point. And then we'll be tied going into episode four. Yeah, of course. Do you know about yourself? I mean, do you remember things like from your career clearly?
0: Um, I don't know. I'm looking around my office. Um, and I'm just seeing all the bobbleheads I got. I got some Euchre bobblehead. Like, I, something's going to talk to me. Whatever you ask me, I feel okay. like the is in this room. It so, might be. I got, mean, it might. some of the stuff would Wars have to be framed. Toys. Okay. Okay, here we go. Question number
1: one. You have to get two or three. Can you remember the first batter you ever faced in the big leagues and how the at-bat ended? And I think you have – I'm, I'm going to say, like, I had to fight hard to get my point last week, so you need to get both ends of this card. <laughs>
0: Wow. Uh, I thought you were going to say first strikeout, and I was going to go a uh, Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone. He went on to manage the Yankees, I think. Um, th- he was not the first batter, though. I think the first batter, I'm going to say, is Lasting's Millage. Ooh. I have no idea. That's, no? that's like You have the right
1: team, you
0: know, you know. Well, well thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. First batter ever in the big leagues? Yeah. Oh, man, I have May no May
1: 23rd, 2008. You're right. Washington. It says versus yeah.
0: Washington, so I assume it
1: was. Was it at home?
0: No, it was... <laughs> 40,000 people in that brand new stadium. It was Memorial day weekend too.
1: Oh, okay. So it was at Washington. Is that when the chairman of the joint Chiefs sang the national anthem? Do you one year in Washington, the Brewers were there for a holiday. That, that seems to me like it was maybe July 4th though. They had the chairman of the joint chiefs come and sing the anthem. It was like real legit. Cool.
0: Wow. No, I don't remember any of that. I just remember (laughs) don't trip like don't trip running out to the mound. That's all I remember.
1: Well, you're 0 for one. I'm just gonna say because oh, it wasn't Lasting's mileage, but it was a it uh-huh. was a
0: really good
1: long time Washington National. It was Ryan Zimmerman, and he grounded Ryan out to Zimmerman, first Ryan Zimmerman, really?
0: Yeah, man, yeah. He just retired too. He did. Good for him. He got he got over that at bat and still had a good career. <laughs>
1: very, yeah, very. but
0: but Ready I mean, go you got the Z. leadoff
1: guy, which is the key for a relief pitcher, right? You ground oh, out to yeah. first.
0: That's huge. Yeah, we saw a graphic on Freddie Peralta the other day. He's one of the best, in. he was, he is the best in baseball last year at getting the first batter of the inning out. Sorry. Well, I'm good. in the graphics world.
1: <laughs> no, I like it. I like how you're, yeah, you've embraced this new role. Okay. You are going <laughs> right. to get this one right. I absolutely am 100% certain.
0: Please say kids' names because I have three kids and I know their names. That'll help.
1: So it's going to be nope. baseball All specific. Right. Okay. <laughs> <basically>, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Nearly a week later, you had your first major league at bat. And you, yeah. you got your only hit. So who was it against?
0: I got on my shelf. Am I allowed to look? Yeah. I mean, yes. Come on, It's got the label on it. So, it. Like, yeah. uh, so did yeah.
1: who, like Tony Miggs or Shager write it on there?
0: Yeah. I think Shager, he put a little, uh, you know, like a sticky note or, you know, label maker, yeah. stuck it on there. Or do you want me to just guess? I can guess, but...
1: I think you, I mean, look, I, last week I got the answer because I had written the guy randomly. So I okay. had a little bit of help on that one. You can have help on this one. Then then we'll have drama for the third question too. Viewers can't see this, but Tim has now left the microphone and is okay. rustling I can't around find his it. Office. I
0: think it's Jorge Campillo. Yeah. You got it. That's it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He threw a fastball at, at, at 88 and I, I, I could have sworn it was 96 and I turned around and it said 88 on the ribbon board. And I was like. <laughs> Hitting's hard, man. How do I ever give up a hit? <laughs> <laughs> and then the next pitch was a changeup and I, I check swung and I hit it over Mark to share his head at first.
1: That is exactly right. It says short fly yeah. ball to right. So a little, that's what we yeah. call a stoinker in the business, Tim.
0: Yeah. Stoinker. Yep. And the, uh, the first base coach was, uh, Jim scalen, who's a scout for the blue Jays. I saw him the other day at the American family fields of Phoenix scouting yep. out the, uh, who were they playing? Rangers? He's we, out the Rangers. We
1: see Ski pretty much every day in spring training, and it's one of the love Ski.
0: The he best. said, "Congratulations!" and Tashera said, "What is that? Is that your first hit?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Congratulations, man!" I was like, "Thanks." Wish I would have seen it. <laughs> well, there's gotta got to be a video highlight somewhere. Do we have that yeah. video
1: highlight? You know what? We I, I do these newsletters now. Shameless plug. Please subscribe to the, <laughs> my weekly newsletter. And we're We're doing like a thing called the video vault where we're trying to surface like highlights, but not like, you know, Niger Morgan base it up the middle or Cecil Cooper to left. Like, you know, more. I don't want to say obscure. It's Tim Dillard's major league hit. That's not obscure. That's a great moment in the history of the game. That's obscure. Yeah. But I'm going to include that in a good uh, good little moment. I'll I'll find that video if it doesn't exist already on brewers.com.
0: I have it on CD ROM. (laughs) (laughs) i think i do Do i don't know where i mean i remember that when when the videos
1: when the the video stuff became like a thing guys would get cds loaded and they would go with a like disc man before like ipods at the end of
0: every year yeah at the end of every year they would give you like a stack of cds or you know dvds (laughs) like here's all your outings and at the time you're like this is state of the art it's not going to ever get better than this um, yeah. but it has, Hey, where do you find your email thing? Your, uh, what do you, what did you say? Video Log? vault thing, video vault. Where do you find that? In my brain.
1: And in for a while we crowdsourced it and people could send in like, um, you know, favorite moments. Some of them were like, my buddies and I were at a game and Greg Vaughn hit a grand slam and I'll never forget it. And we went and found the video and like published a little paragraph about it. We did that
0: over and the this is in and your now, newsletter.
1: Now we're putting it in the newsletter. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, well, you know, I, want I to do need it. ideas for first off. So yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I was going to do a test. So maybe people will follow you and you'll see how many people listen to this podcast. Yeah. So I have a secret, I have a secret Twitter account, one of many. And, um, this one is called dim tillered video at dim tillered video. It's only on Twitter. Well, it's not secret and, anymore now. It, it well, I'm, I'm seeing if anybody's going to follow it. I have oh, zero okay. followers right now. So I'm kind of curious. And uh, just to see if it works. And what I'm doing is I'm going back and I'm finding videos that I posted uh, all the way back to like 2015. And so I'm, I'm 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 reposting them. So all it is is videos. You're not gonna see any of my dumb, you know, Twitter polls or anything like that. But I just want to see if anybody listens to this and follows me because then we'll get an idea if anybody's you know tuning in. I don't know where those. Well, stats you're gonna are, have like so.
1: 50,000 followers by the end of
0: the day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tons I'll, of video. Hundred thousand are bust. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so we're going to give you Jorge Campillo you got. You got all the details. Yeah. That is a clear victory. So it is 1-1. One, one. You need this one to pull Ooh. into a tie. Oh, there's three. Well, there's okay. three. You have to get two of three.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> and I think he will get this one too. You have one career win in Major League Baseball.
0: Which team did it come against? Come on. It's the Marlins. Yeah. I think they were the... Florida Marlins at the time, 2011, I, they would
1: have been, yeah, I think.
0: Yeah. And I, and I got, I broke the bat of a, of, of Mike Stanton, his brother, Giancarlo plays for the Yankees. Yes. <laughs> or is that the same guy? Younger when, I brother. when I faced him, he was Mike, but yeah, I got a glove, uh, Takashi Saito who was on our team, um, commemorated that and had a glove from Mizuno stitched and had like the date and, and, you know, the stadium and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I remember it vividly. It was a day game and there was no one else to pitch. So they were like, Dillard, you're in. I came in with two guys on, I think, or three or four. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love all the stories. Get better with time. Yeah, yeah. That's and how Gorman a, well, Thomas's my, stories work. They get better and better as time goes on.
0: <laughs> most, of this, most of this is accurate, I guess. It was a ground ball of third. Council was uh, my third baseman. He catches it, falls into foul territory, throws home, and gets the runner out. And I think that's the next guy was Mike Stanton and broke his bat out the left and got out of a jam. And then I think Braun ended up hitting a home run to tie it. And I don't know, maybe a few, maybe I pitched two innings. I have no idea. And then Axford came in and got a save. I was like, it was a big deal. I was on the field. They were interviewing me. They were like, how do you feel? And I'm like, I don't know. It's crazy. Like you got (laughs) the post game (laughs) interview on
1: Well, it wasn't Bally sports, Wisconsin at the time, but you got the post game TV
0: interview. I think so. I don't know. It was a whirlwind. Wow.
1: (laughs) I wonder, it would, was deal. that Sophia in 2000? That would have been pre Sophia, I would think. I think it was Pre-Sophia Telly Hughes. Minute. Telly Hughes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, I mean, look, they say kill the win. Everybody talks about like pitcher wins don't matter. And then you talk to a pitcher and it's like these memories are so clear.
0: Yeah. The pitcher. No, wins. I look at my commemorative glove all the time. Thank you, Takashi Saito. You're the man. He was a good pitcher for the Brewers. They had a, that was a good little bolt.
1: Was that Latroy Hawkins, Takashi yeah. Saito? Latroy Oxford? Hawkins, yeah. Okay, yeah, well, we you, uh, you, you have done it. You have tied yes. our season standings 1-1. One, one. Um, so we've figured out now that in order for us to get anything right, it needs to be something I, by the cosmic consequence, wrote about randomly in yeah. the off season or ask us questions about ourselves. And that's how we'll get
0: these correct. Okay.
1: Well, I'm just glad I got a point.
0: You my put it on the board.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Tim. Let's move on to talk about a big roster move that happened right at the end of spring training. I had a bet with Todd Rosiak of the Milwaukee journal Sentinel during the spring about whether the brewers would have somebody on the opening day roster. That was with, not with the team in spring training because they, that often happens. Carlos Torres one year, Jared Hughes comes to mind as a guy who played a big role. And I said, no, I don't think with this crew, it's going to happen. And then it did. Victor Caratini was acquired right. Before the start of the regular season, um, what do you, what do you think he brings to the table as a former catcher yourself, Tim? What do you think? Uh, what, what strikes you about Caratini?
0: Well, the first thing you do when you get a player, you start looking at where he came from. So he, he was with the Cubs, and then he was with Padres last year. So you start looking at the people that he was you know, that he caught, that he worked with, that he got game reports from, and things like that. It's a pretty impressive list of people this guy's caught even before he gets to the Brewers. You got. You, Darvish, Joe Musgrove, uh, Blake Snail, Chris Paddock, John Lester, Kyle Hendricks, Craig Kimbrell, Steve Sishek. So, you have sidearmers, you have lefties, you have hard throwers, you have thumbers, you have a whole array of guys. Mark Melanson. I mean, those guys just kind of fit what the Brewers are. You know, they got lefties, they got righties, they got sidearm, they got sidearm both ways. You got cutters you got and I think that played a role especially when he comes into the game and has to catch uh, Jake Cousins is unbelievable slider Um, I think once you learn the skills I mean never even caught the guy's slider and had to catch one that was way out of the zone a lot of times that ball gets dropped so I think what you're getting is a guy that's just experienced and willing to work with guys because he wouldn't have the job if he couldn't work with those guys he would not have the job so And that way of handling a staff, I think he's I think he's done a fine job and will do an amazing job going forward. And then also as a hitter, he's a switch hitter. So that I mean, Craig Council loves having you know as much versatility. Yeah, because you can start him any
1: day, and you can make a you can play him wherever you want. Where if they need if if Narvaez needs a day, or if there's a matchup you like, there's always going to be a reason to start uh, Victor Caratini. Tim, you you said the word experience. That's that's the key, and I give David Stearns and his team a lot of credit because. It was the final Monday of spring training that Pedro Severino came to them and said that he was facing a suspension. That's how the Brewers learned about it from uh, Severino himself. And the next morning, 745 in the morning, Arizona time, Major League Baseball announced it. And the Brewers were left with two inexperienced catchers on the roster. Really three, they have Jackson Reitz in the minors who was in big league camp with them and, and did a really good job handling the guys. But between those players, I think it was, Four big league plate appearances. Reitz actually has the most, but but Mario Feliciano has one. And Brett Sullivan, who ended up going to the Padres for Victor Caratini, has yet to get a plate appearance. So they really wanted, like, they wanted a guy that they could plug in and play. And Omar Narvaez last year was an all-star in the first half, and he played a lot. And then the second half did not go well. So they want to be really mindful about not, you know, some people were like, well, just play Narvaez every day. They they did not want to do that and just completely wear him down and then not have a productive player in the second half. So they really wanted experience. And, man, that's a tough deal to make because you've got a, a literal deadline to set the roster that you have to meet to make a trade. It's really hard to make a trade after teams set their own rosters. So David Stearns and his team had to go really fast and make some calls and came up with a deal for a guy that has some experience. and has already played. I mean, I thought it was cool that he was like catching on opening day after literally just showing up. Jason, we talked about Jason Schauger. He's their equipment manager. You should have seen him running around the clubhouse on opening day because he says, of course, he comes from the Padres. So the equipment was brown. You know, you hope he came from like (laughs) the Dodgers. You know, even Royal Blue Schauger said, you can like fudge it if it's close or black would have worked. But it was something obscure. Like the red, the reds would not work. You'd have to like, So with with Caratini, he had to find new catching equipment literally that morning of opening day. And he's in the game, and then he starts the next day. So I I don't know. How tough is that, Tim? Like, a guy gets in there, he's catching Jake Cousins. Didn't Caratini catch Jake Cousins on opening day?
0: Yeah. The edit team left to go back. And if that's
1: not true, just take it out and pretend I didn't say it. But anyway, he has caught these nasty relievers with, like,
0: zero warm up. Well, I think good catchers are good catchers. They don't care who's throwing the ball. As long as they know what's coming, they're fine. I I think that's kind of what they wanted. I, I think Feliciano is a good catcher, and I think he knows a lot of these pitchers. And he's here in AAA Nashville, which I thought the team was in town, but they're not. They're in Gwinnett. But uh, out of the six games, he's caught four of them. So I think if there is a need moving forward, it will be Feliciano. But I mean, I think Caratini's going to fit in just nice. I, I think they want guys that can frame the ball. And it's, the more comfortable he gets with these guys, his framing is going to go up. But right now, I mean, just his job was to catch the ball, try to call a good game, you know, and try not to let anything get behind you. And it was very basic. But as you move forward, and we know this about Craig Council, loves communication you know, communicate, communicate, talk to each other. Uh, That's why Chris Hook is such a vital piece because he's breaking, you know, he has this bridge of, okay, this is what I'm seeing here. This is what I'm seeing here. How do we bridge that gap? You know, there's no kicking, you know, beating around the bush. It's let's, let's say exactly what we're thinking here. And when you go to a new team, if you're in spring training you kind of build up that okay well I've been around you know and he didn't have a chance to do that there was no egos he was bringing nothing with him other than his gray catching equipment that we got to see <laughs> like he's showing up going I'll do whatever you want man oh you want me to pinch hit in the opening day yeah I've been here 12 hours why not you know <laughs> yeah. I It's a whirlwind and you don't have time to do anything other than what your default setting is, is be a baseball player. The guy's a baseball player. And I know we cleared benches in Iowa years ago in AAA. So I've got, I've met him. (laughs) 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 What happened? Yeah. Good dude. Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. We had a lot of benches cleared. No, no punches were thrown. I I was in the bullpen. I just ran in. I just grabbed somebody and act like you're, you're upset, you know? And I remember one day I grabbed him, I think. And I was just like, Hey, act like we're going to, you know, be mad at each other. <laughs> that's good entertainment for the fans. I that like happens. That it happens. <laughs>
1: um, you know, he'll also get to work here with Walker McKinvin. I think this is becoming more of like a story about Walker's influence on the catchers. I mean, they they got Omar Narvaez and he was a total offense first catcher and they made him into like the, he rates highest in framing in baseball last year. It's an incredible transformation and that's, you know, Charlie Green and, uh, Chris Hook's involved in that and Pat Murphy's involved in the catchers, but really Walker McKinvin is a guy who's helped the the catchers become so good at game calling and framing and all those things. And they were really excited about Pedro Severino. The, the, I think they're pretty bummed out about that suspension because they were really excited about what, you, you know, he's yeah. a guy like Manny Pena, some right-handed pop. And again, known as like a hitter, they thought they could really do some things with him to make him a much better framer and a much better defensive player. And I know that there was a, a high level of disappointment when that that suspension uh, came down. So, you know, they'll get him back in the second half. But critically, like, I think this has not been talked enough about. The, the rules are that if you get suspended, you're ineligible for the postseason. So if people are wondering, well, why did they give up what they gave up to get Caratini when they can just get Severino back in the second half and cover it for the first half with a Mario Feliciano say... That's a big reason why you, you, you would not have Severino for, for a potential postseason. So now they've given themselves another option for that. It should, you know, should they be fortunate enough to to get that far and um, add another catcher to the organization? You you mentioned him too, but just real quick, like, what do you like about Feliciano? Because he's a guy that I I agree. I think we'll see this season because things happen. Um, The little bit you you've seen of him. what, What do you like?
0: It's more or less what you hear from the guys that are in charge. You know, you stick around if you're good, you stick around and you get big league camp and you get called to the big leagues like he did last year. And he just, he's a, he's a low heart rate guy. You know, there's two people you don't want to freak out when you're a pitcher. You don't want your pitching coach to freak out and you don't want your catcher to freak out. And I've had both, (laughs) maybe not in the big (laughs) leagues, but definitely in the minor leagues. And if you can have a young kid that can handle the staff that he was able to you know, catch in spring trainings and a little bit last year in the, the one game he played in, maybe um, that right there goes a long way because it shows, OK, you handled this moment really well. And you start looking at all the possibilities of, okay, well, who's going to be the guy next year and the next year and the next year. Like you start looking at the franchise going forward. Can Feliciano be that guy? I think they're shaping him up to be that guy. And everything that I've heard, they enjoy what he does. And that matters. That matters to pitchers being comfortable going, I'm going to throw this pitch. I'm going to go on the same page with him. And I guess we say that kind of stuff a lot, like, oh, you know, this catcher is it. But there's a lot of catchers that you just don't want to throw to. There's just catchers I, I, for whatever reason I've had that. It's nothing against like those guys, but at the end of the day, I, there's about three catchers that no matter what fingers they put down, I would throw them. Jose Trevino, who's just got traded, I think, from the Rangers to the Yankees. I think so. I, I texted him. I was like, "Good goodbye beard. <laughs> got to shave his beard." <laughs> um, another one is uh, Martin Maldonado. One yeah. time he came to the mound and wanted me to throw a like a like a I don't even know what it was like a change up neck high. And I was like, I've never thrown that before. And he goes, Do it. And I did it and struck a dude out. I'd, li- I mean, those guys can babysit my kids. You know, like that's how much I trust them. Adam Weisenberger, who's one of the catchers uh, in the bullpen, one of the bullpen catchers. Yep. One time he called a pitch. I was the oldest guy in Double A in 2014, and he called a pitch, and I was like, I don't agree with this pitch at all. So I was like, No. And he called it again, and I was like, Okay. And I threw it. It didn't work out because he didn't know about a previous hit bat I had with this batter, but. Um, he was apologizing. Oh, my bad. I was like, dude, it, I trust you. And no. I've had 50-something catchers in my career. And there's three that I just love so much. It doesn't mean that there's others that weren't good. But these are the guys that you want back there. Feliciano is a part of that uh, that fraternity of guys that know what they're doing and that people want to throw to.
1: We loved Martin Maldonado. He used to come every day during batting practice. He'd see me standing out there. With the Latin godfather, we called Aye. him, because that's how he sounded. Yeah, He would come up and go, he's like, What hey. you got? And I would tell him what story I was working on. And he would say, that's, I can't say the word on the podcast, but you would say that that's, that's nonsense.
0: Yeah. And he would Diablo. always rip oh, whatever boy. I was working on. He yeah. would rip. Yeah. He came to the mound and be like, Hey, here we go. Here. <laughs> and I'd ask him later on, like, what dude, what were you talking about on the mound? He's like, I was just messing with you. <laughs> Love
1: Oh, that. Maldi. He's uh... great. <laughs> Okay, well, Tim, we need to take another break, but when we come back, uh, we are going to have Christian Yalich on the podcast. New feature (sighs) alert. Whoa. And we'll talk about opening day in Milwaukee. So we will be right back after this. Okay, since we always finish this podcast on kind of like a rapid round segment, we're going to do it, but with a twist, Tim. I thought it would be interesting to sort of get some of the guys in the clubhouse involved in the podcast. And I started with Christian Jalic because he's a very good baseball player. And I think we can ask the guys as we move along some questions maybe a little more away from what happened in the game. Like, you'll hear in this segment from Christian Jalic, it's a short little Q&A. So let's roll it. What is your favorite road city?
2: Um, I can't just choose just one. I I like... I like L.A. because I'm from there, Atlanta, um, San Diego. There's, uh, there's a lot of good ones. There's also some bad ones, lots of favorite ones.
1: <laughs> Are you a uh, go-out-and-explore-the-city guy or a sit-in-the-room-until-it's-time-to-go-to-the-field guy?
2: Uh, it kind of depends. I Earlier in my career, I kind of went out and did the whole explore thing, see the whatever landmark or cool thing there was to do in the city and then as it's gotten a little bit later in my career i've been more of a just sit in the room and chill guy but you know maybe we'll find a happy medium here going forward
1: how about a favorite game day lunch
2: spot favorite game day lunch at home or on the road let's say road just to diversify i don't know i'm not a big like go out to lunch on the road usually it's eat at the stadium. So certain places have better lunches. I'm trying to think of like a good stadium for a good lunch. Right. I don't know. Our inaugural episode is going downhill quick, I think.
1: <laughs> How about the Philly cheesesteaks? Yeah, famous. those are
2: pretty good. Yeah, those are good like the first day or so and then it gets old pretty quick. But those ones, it, Philly's a good spot for that, yeah.
1: How many Philly cheesesteaks do you think Marcus Hanel could eat?
2: He ate, what, seven or eight in a day? Like, <laughs> which is... If you ever actually had them there, it's it's something that I can't really fathom. I don't know how I did that and still walking around.
1: Uh, How about this one? A a road stadium that's not necessarily known as a good place to hit that you love to hit in.
2: Um, So this one, it used to be my home stadium, actually. Miami is... You can see that it's one of the best stadiums to, like, actually see there. And you got to hit it seven miles for it to be a home run there. But as far as, like, optics and seeing the baseball, it's one of the, it's one of the better stadiums in the league for sure.
1: Okay, Tim, we heard from Christian Yelich about a road city that he enjoys to hit in. Just generally speaking, what was your favorite road city?
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, which one I like to hit in. I would have <laughs> hit in any of them. <laughs> Just All give me the a All of Allie, but favorite road city. Uh, you know what? I, I kind of liked going to the Phillies' place just because of the cheesesteaks in the clubhouse. Yes, those are really good cheesesteaks. Um, I'm hungry now, so I don't really can't think of another. You know, you all think good. about his If you're in a big league city, if you're in a big league city, it's just that's good. That's a good thing. Um, I, for me personally, I'll do real quick: uh, Dodger Stadium, uh, Fenway, and Wrigley. Just because my dad played there, those are the three stadiums that my dad got to play in. So. Those are the meaningful ones. But
1: so for me, yeah, it's like a different list for me. Like my favorite road city might be Denver, because everything's right downtown and it's a fun, fun town and you can walk to the stadium. But my favorite ballpark is Dodger. It's awesome. And Kauffman Stadium is my number two. I love Kauffman Stadium. But but it wouldn't be my favorite road city. So I guess those are two different things. And I've never yeah, hit I don't think a Bailey ballpark. Yeah. So I, I can't I really the question say which, right. which stadium I like like to hit in. <laughs>
0: To me, it goes with food. Wherever you're going, if there's good food, I'm in. Uh, That is a normally
1: that is normally a good thing. Well, you know what city has good food? Tim, Milwaukee. Oh yeah. But you said
0: road city. This is home, baby.
1: You know, it 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 (laughs) is a road city for some people, but not for us. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but the home opener is Thursday against the St. Louis Cardinals. And The Brewers are doing a thing, I know you know about this, where they are encouraging fans to wear blue and yellow on opening day in Milwaukee. Milwaukee's, I always fight with my friend about opening day versus home opener, and I just did it. But the home opener is 414 day, obviously, Milwaukee's area code. So the Brewers want fans to wear blue and yellow, which shouldn't be very hard if you have Brewers gear. And if you share pictures with the hashtag, you know hashtags, hashtag 414 crew, the brewers okay. will share some of those photos then on their social media. So this is a very, this is a very long, convoluted thing, but it's not that hard. Yeah. Wear blue and yellow on at the home opener, take some pictures, yeah. share them on social media with hashtag 414Crew, and the brewers will share those photos on their social media. So okay. that is a very long intro to say, Tim, what's your <laughs> prediction for opening day?
0: I'm such a good the game's host. gonna be shorter. The game's gonna be shorter than that explanation.
1: <laughs> and this is the one and only time yeah. I hosted the podcast. <laughs>
0: uh, my prediction. This is what's funny. Like you just can't predict baseball. I, I find it. It's ironic now that I'm in the world where that's kind of what they I'm asked for. You know, even on this podcast or on Bally Sports Wisconsin. Like, what do you think's gonna happen? And you, there's no way to predict it. And you're yeah. just gonna sound over and over again. You know, like you'd have no idea what you're talking about, but. Um, I, I it's going to be a packed house. You know, the, the energy is going to be there. Me personally, I just want to get back to the stadium. <laughs> I love it there. I love to sit down in Ellie's corner. I love walking through the concourse and everyone's like, yeah, go brewers. I mean, that's just it, it, the energy is incredible. And you know, we're going to play cause we have a dome <laughs> bonus. So yeah, regardless, there is going to be a game.
1: Yeah, I will say my prediction is uh, my prediction is everyone will have a good time, and the people will be well hydrated, and that there will be a baseball game. So that's that'll be my prediction.
0: You know, we wait. To, who's, who's starting for the Cardinals? Do you
1: know? Boy, I haven't even looked that far ahead. I'm just trying to get through Baltimore. I know saying, Brandon Woodruff is starting. Uh,
0: I know Woodruff for the Brewers.
1: Yeah, and Craig Council yeah. said that that was kind of the plan all along because. You know, they could have introduced Aaron Ashby into this Baltimore series had there not been the rain out in Chicago. And they they probably would have done that because they wanted Woodruff to pitch that home opener. Craig Council is not like the most sentimental guy about openers, but he thought it would be a good, you know, Woodruff didn't get to do opening day after doing it two years in a row. And, and they thought that this would be a good assignment. So um he did say that there was some thought behind that. And the answer to opening day matchup is Miles Michaelis. That's who will start for the Cardinals. Uh, scheduled to start for the Cardinals. Yeah, I saw the text message too, business. Adam.
0: I saw the text message too. Thanks, Ezra. <laughs> I will say this though: we're talking about Ashby. He did phenomenal yesterday, and he's looked amazing. And thank God for him. He's been keeping them in ball games, um, and and he's going to get some starts this year. We know Craig Council because yeah. we've been through this whole podcast. We haven't talked about him. But that, that's shame on us because uh, he's looked fantastic. Yeah. And then also we haven't talked about Suter, Boxberger, Williams, or Hater, which. I'm telling you if you're a manager and like maybe you're not scoring a bunch of runs or maybe you're you're you know starting rotations having trouble in the strike zone like whatever's going on it is so refreshing to know that if you have a lead going into the 6th or 7th inning that you're putting a team out there of amazing bullpen guys that just go out there and get it done. Devin Williams looked fantastic. That may be the best inning. Yeah. I well, I don't want to say best inning I've ever seen him throw, but it was overpowering he was throwing fastballs in the zone that were moving like crit change up was going straight down uh and then josh Hader throwing 99 mile an hour bowling balls like what what are you going to do with that so we get it I, Tim, we you like to relievers. A shout out to those we'll, we'll guys. talk
1: about the relievers yeah, yeah, in the next yeah. podcast we'll, we'll do a whole segment on yeah. the on the relievers and and rank you remember the starter jacket
0: relievers. yeah you remember the starter jackets that everybody would wear of course i had a
1: i think i had a florida need a reliever like jacket
0: them. Needed. We need a reliever jacket. You know, the little okay. S. put an R we'll, we'll, and a do star, a, we'll do it. We'll do that.
1: Okay. Yeah. One. Okay. One more. You in, in this in this rapid round, which we're just really flying through. Oh. <laughs> Favorite Brewers opening day of all time.
0: But for me personally, is I've only made one opening day as a well, player. Well, then, so then it's an easy answer, I would think. Two thousand twelve. Yeah.
1: Okay. What do you remember from it?
0: They called out my name, and I was like, "Yeah." They said it right, and I was like, "Great." And I was like, "Don't trip! Don't trip! Don't trip!" <laughs>
1: The orange carpet in Baltimore was really cool. Coming in from center field on the orange carpet, I'd heard about that. And it was pretty cool to, to witness. That was something different.
0: Well, I did do opening day uh, in 2012 against the Braves. And that was at, at the, I don't want to say older stadium. That stadium wasn't that old, I don't think. But it was Chipper Jones's last year. So they ran out of like center field and Chipper Jones was like leading the way. Thought that was kind of cool, like that I got to be there. That is really I think cool. I got him out. So I'm sure he's talking about me getting him out on a different podcast right now.
1: Uh, I will say mine was 2001. It was my first opening day covering baseball. I had no idea what I was doing, which will surprise no one. Um, President Bush <laughs> threw a pretty cool first pitch. And there's a great story in the clubhouse. This is not rapid around either. Sorry, Ezra. But oh. <laughs> so President Bush goes into the Brewers clubhouse and goes around the room. And he knows all the like baseball guy, former owner of the Rangers, knows all the guys. So he's going around the room to say hello. And Richie Sexton and Jeff Jenkins had those two lockers. You can picture it in that back wall where the veterans were, yeah. the Ryan Braun corner eventually. And <laughs> Richie's section was like a prankster. So he had like this trick pen, this electrified pen that he kept getting everybody, like, hey, could you sign this ball for me? And they'd shock him. So he pulls out this pen and a baseball. And Jenkins, Jeff Jenkins is next to him, and says, Oh, that's a good idea. You can have the president sign a ball. And he sees the pen and he goes, No, Richie, you can't do that. So <laughs> Jenkins told told me the story a couple of years ago when I did. The Milwaukee Brewers at 50, available at bookstores everywhere, including American Family Field. So he's telling me this great story. He says, no, 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 don't do it. And Bush is working his way down the, the, like the football, the nuclear football is in the room. Like the guy with the suitcase is in the room.
0: Secret service. Really? That's a thing?
1: It's a thing. It's a real thing. So he's coming and Jenkins starts to sweat. He's telling this story so vividly. (laughs) And he, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. So it comes the president says, knows who these guys are. Of course, he knows everything. He knows their stats and and everything. And, oh, you want me to sign a ball? And and, yeah, yeah. So he hands him and hits the button and nothing happens. And Jenkins like exhales. So then Richie does it again and shocks him. And Jenkins thinks, oh my God, oh my God. So this is the most incredible story ever. And I'm like, I'm going to lead the Milwaukee Brewers at 50 with this incredible story about like shocking the president of the United States. At, I'm shocked at yeah. Miller, then Miller Park. So I of course get Richie Sexton on the phone because you always check your sources. And this story is like either entirely made up or like <laughs> fractionally true, but didn't actually happen to the point of shocking the president. And Richie's like, uh. I would be on the ground. I would be in jail right now if I did that. <laughs> so in Jeff Jenkins mind, it happened and it was such a good story. And then it turned out not to be true.
0: Don't mess with W.
1: Dumb, yeah. So that's my favorite opening day for that great story, which didn't actually happen. According to Richie. <laughs> you had me hooked. Well, it's I a great, was, you know, I again, the best baseball stories, it doesn't matter if they're true. They can be great stories. And Jeff Jenkins tells that one like so vividly. So, nice. well, we will have more stories next time Ooh. of shocking, shocking stories and <laughs> tales of baseball <laughs> true and false, but that is it for this episode of Brewers Unfiltered. I think we did a good job filling in without Brad. We will get Brad you back did great. eventually. But I'm supposed to say for more Tim, make sure to give him a follow at Dim Tillard on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at Adam McCalvey on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And as always, make sure you're following the Brewers on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn, MySpace. What else is there? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know any other social media platform.
0: Carrier Pigeon? I don't know. Just come to I the game know. Thursday. Let's just yeah, 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 just
1: come to the game Thursday and if you can't come Thursday, come over the weekend. Cardinals, Pirates, I think are in after that. First home stand of 2022. Full crowds, normal Coke instead of Pepsi. Coke is now the official oh, yeah, yeah. beverage. Can I I'll say that.
0: I didn't know where you're going with that.
1: So there's all <laughs> kinds of <laughs> There's all kinds of good things happening at American Family Field. I'm just going to move on from that and say thank you for listening to Tim and I. And this was Brewers Unfiltered. We will see you next week.